Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Quick note before we begin, the Finding Genius Foundation, as part of the Finding Genius Podcast, has recently completed a book about understanding viruses. So the creation of this book was to interview 100 virologists, ask them a lot of deep, difficult questions, take the most difficult questions, and then re-interview the top 25 or so and ask them the hardest questions I could think of. And we compiled that all into a book. So you'll see question and four or five experts' answers. Question, four or five experts' answers. There's about 30 questions in the book. I think it's a great read for the layperson and for the researcher. talks about a lot of speculation in the world of viruses, such as are they alive or not, and why is it important? Uh, Why do viruses go latent or hidden or ineffective or sit in a person or an animal or another creature for weeks, months, years? and then suddenly become virulent and affect that person. Uh, so there's a lot of really provocative questions in the book. It's now on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius, you'll see the book on viruses. It's also on Kindle. The Audible version is in production and should be ready in approximately a month. But if you want to go and order it now, uh, you can do so again by going to Amazon or Kindle or go, go to findinggeniusfoundation.org and go to Publications. There's an opportunity as well to get the transcripts of all the interviews and to hear the original interviews themselves. If we had put them all together, the book would be about a thousand pages, but we condensed them down to make it juicy and concise and tight and very interesting. So I hope you'll check out the book. Uh, we're now working on one about cancer, but this is going to be our goal is uh, three times a year to come out with these masterclass books that I think will inspire new scientific research. And I hope you'll check it out. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Samantha Wright. She's founder of the Essential Oil Revolution. Uh, She also runs a podcast called the Essential Oil Revolution Podcast. And she runs a podcast on uh, podcasting itself called Pineapple Podcast. So thanks for coming. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Hope you're doing good. Thanks for having me. Tell me about your background. How did you get into essential oils? Yeah, well, they were introduced to me by a friend. And when I first heard about them, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I've been using natural tools my whole life. I've been into herbalism for a while. I don't see how these essential oils can be any different than what I've been doing already. But I just kept hearing all these amazing stories about how, you know, these essential oils helped some kid get off their asthma medication or help someone lower their antidepressants or whatnot. And I was like, well, gosh, I mean, can this all really be true? And so I finally gave them a closer look. I realized that there's a big difference in the market as far as the quality of oils that are out there. And so it really matters the intention behind using essential oils. It really matters what kind of quality you're using. When I finally got my hands on some really high quality oils and started using them for myself, I was just amazed at what what it was doing. I mean, I used peppermint oil to help with my allergies. Whenever anyone in my household would get sick, we'd use an immunity blend and we'd be, you know, over that cold or flu in no time flat. 
And as a busy mom, I was really attracted to just how easy they were to use. I could just literally unscrew a bottle and apply some oils or throw it in my diffuser and boom. So I loved how easy they were to use. And I just really fell in love with how powerful they were. Were you making your own oil concoctions or were you using off the shelf? We made, uh, you know, models and stuff. Yeah, I was typically just buying it from the, um, my friend introduced me to Young Living. That's this one brand of essential oils out there that kind of specializes in therapeutic grade oils. And that's where I would buy from. Like, as I said, I was a busy mom. So the less that I had to do for myself on my side, the better. But I did have a lot of fun throwing together different scents in my diffuser and kind of concocting different recipes that way for sure. What what conditions did you have that you wanted oils to help you on? Like, how did you get the impetus? Was it just curiosity or was there something really bothering you you wanted to fix? It was mostly curiosity, but the first thing that I started using it for really was my allergies. I'd been suffering from allergies my entire life. I live in, I live in the mountains of North Carolina, which is a very biodiverse area. There's a ton of pollens and grasses and things like that, that bloom around here. And so it seemed like just about 50% of the year I would be miserable. And, you know, my friends would always make fun of me. I'd be walking around town with like a giant, I actually used like cloth diapers as my handkerchiefs. Like that's how bad my allergies were. And so I started using them for that and was really astounded how quickly they really affected me. I would sip on, I would start my day out with a quart mason jar full of water add about three drops each of lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil in there, mix it with a little honey, and sip on that throughout the day. And it seemed to just calm my whole system really quickly. And then if I needed a little bit of extra help, I'd put a drop of peppermint under my tongue, and it would just dry out my sinuses really quickly. So these, so when you apply the essential oils, they act how quickly and how, how strongly do they act? And if, you know, compare it to what you noticed about taking medications. Yeah. I mean, I had tried antihistamines for a long time. What I noticed with antihistamines is like after, you know, using them for months on end, they kind of just stopped working and they were never really solving the problem. They were kind of just masking the symptoms anyway. And with the essential oils, they would help me get relief within, I'd say five to 15 minutes, just depending on the severity, but using them also as just a health tool, helping your body really um, increase its wellness. Like it, it really lowered my nervous system's response to allergies in the first place was, was a big difference that I noticed. So, you know, everyone's different and some essential oils in some cases can work really quickly to alleviate symptoms or stress or boost your mood. Or, you know, when I burn myself on a frying pan, I'll slap some lavender oil on it and it it just helps soothe that and heal that so quickly. And then other things, they take more time. You need to take things more consistently and approach it more like a vitamin rather than like a band-aid. So what are the different ways you administer them? But do you rub them on your skin? Do you put them on your tongue? Do you put them in food, like inhale them? What are the ways you take them in? Yeah, pretty much all the things that you just said. I always say that the basic three ways that you can use oils are aromatically, as in inhaling them, smelling them, putting them in your diffuser, just even opening up a bottle and sniffing it is aromatic use. Um, Then there's topical use where you're putting it on your body, on your skin. I always recommend that when you do this, you dilute your oils. So 
mixing it with some coconut oil or some olive oil, even that you have around before applying it to your skin. Some oils are gentle enough that you could apply them undiluted, but there's really no need to do that. And if you're first starting out, especially, and just for general safety concerns, it's best to dilute them, um, especially if you have a sensitive skin type. The only thing you really need to be aware of when using oils um, topically is that any of the citrus oils, lemon, lime, grapefruit, you know, anything that comes from a citrus plant is going to have photosynthetic properties. So you wouldn't want to put those on your skin and then go walk out in the bright sunlight because it's going to um, really increase the photosensitivity of your skin and can leave you with a pretty bad rash. So for citrus oils, just avoid putting those on topically in the summertime or make sure that you're under the shade or putting a t-shirt on or something over that area. And then the third way you can use essential oils, and this I always say can because it's optional, um, is using them internally, putting them in your food, dropping them on your tongue, putting them in capsules and in, ingesting them. You know, some people, there's a lot of controversy around that. So I always just say like, you do you. I've been drinking essential oils, cooking with them and taking them internally for years now. And they've been really wonderful for me in that way. You know, some people prefer to avoid that and, you know, to each his own, I say. So um, you're using them with yourself. Um, have you turned it into a practice where you're advising other people? Like what, you know, what got you to the point where you wanted to write the book and then you know, do you have clients that you sell the oils to? Do you white label them? Do you advise? What do you do? Yeah. So, well, when I first started out, I was doing it as a sort of direct sales opportunity. My friend got me interested. I was a stay-at-home mom. I really needed a way to earn some money. And my friend introduced me to Young Living as a business opportunity. So before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. I represented the company. I worked for myself, but essentially I would teach people how to use essential oils. If they wanted to get started and purchase any, they could do that using my referral code and I'd make a little commission. Um, but what I loved about that model was that I really got to be an educator. I didn't have to really worry about sales. I didn't have to stock my shelf full of product and ship it out to people. I just got to teach classes, which I love. I'm just an educator at heart. And I love teaching people, especially adults, things that they're interested in, if it means that they become more empowered at the end. So I was teaching a lot of essential oil classes in people's homes. You know, if people wanted to get started, I could direct them to Young Living and get them started with like a good starter kit of oils. And um, and it was just wonderful. And then about a year into doing that, you know, I got a little bit tired of, of traveling and teaching classes and I just knew I wanted to reach more people. And so I looked, the first place I looked when I wanted to learn about essential oils was on a podcast 
And there was a couple out there, but none of them were really hitting the quality that I was looking for. And so I just thought, gosh, like if someone wanted to start a really high quality essential oil specific podcast, they do so well. And then I had this, you know, powerful thought of like, well, why don't I do that? So I started the podcast in December, 2015, and we've been running, you know, ever since we've reached over 4 million downloads since that time, been able to reach a large community of people who love their essential oils, who want to learn everything and anything that they can about how to use them effectively, how to use them safely. And I've been able to interview top experts from around the world to really deep dive into all the things that these essential oils can do for us. We've got over 250 episodes and we still haven't run out of things to talk about when it comes to essential oil. That's how diverse and powerful these tools are. Yeah, no, that's great. What are the essential, where do they come from? Do they come from fruits and plants themselves or just like, where do they come from and what are they? What what part of the plants are they? How do they turn into oils? So essential oils are literally all around us. When you take a walk outside, you'll be instantly surrounded by essential oils living just within all of the plants and the botanicals that make up our world. They're the wonderful aromatics that float around the air from flowers, trees, bushes, grasses. They even live in the branches and the needles of pine trees that you lay under and the blades of grass that you walk on and the rose that you smell, the peppermint leaves you touch. Um, They play such a vital role in the plant's ability to grow and live and evolve. Um, Without their essential oils, plants could not survive. You could almost liken it to like the blood of a plant. Plants don't have blood, but they have essential oils. The primary role in in the essential oils plant biology is to uh, resist disease, um, defend against predators, be an attractant for pollinators, and and things like that. So the essential oils themselves are these very small volatile compounds, meaning their molecules rise rapidly into the air. So if you were to open the cap of your essential oil, automatically those small, tiny molecules are going to float up into the air. That, that's why we call them volatile. And this makes them really distinct from like fatty oils, such as olive oil, coconut oil, almond oil. Those are very greasy. Those absorb slowly into the skin, whereas essential oils are not greasy and they absorb into the skin very quickly. And so we derive them from plants um, depending on what that plant source is. So for example, lemon essential oil comes from the rind of a lemon plant. You take the lemon rind, you press it, almost like you were pressing olive oil, um, put it in a press and extract it that way. Most essential oils um, like peppermint or lavender, um, geranium, things that come from the leaves or the flowers or the roots of a plant, you'll put them in a distillery where you essentially put them in a giant vat or a giant cylinder. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And you start a steam from below and that steam rises up through that plant. And then that steam rises and gets captured where it then separates the essential oil out from the water. And the the molecular structure of essential oil is what really makes them very unique. Like their ability to rapidly penetrate into the skin, penetrate the cells. 
They're even so small molecularly that they can travel past the blood brain barrier and enter your brain tissue. There's not a lot of things on this planet that can do that. Um, And being able to move past the blood brain barrier is something that um, can have a lot of beneficial effects. So it makes essential oils extremely unique in their ability to promote brain health. Even modern uh, pharmacists struggle to create synthetically derived drugs that are able to travel past the blood brain barrier. Um, Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, have you ever done an episode or known someone that uses essential oils with dogs? Because I would think they're always smelling things. They would be really affected and they would like it or hate it. Yeah, absolutely. We've definitely had a few experts come on to talk about essential oils for pets. We've had people come on to talk about oils for horses, cats, dogs, things like that. Whenever you're using oils on an animal, especially um, when their their body is smaller, like a cat or a small dog, you definitely want to approach it um, with some common sense and um, just approach it with a little bit of caution. That's not to say it's dangerous, but you do want to use it properly. So with a dog, for example, their sense of smell is so much higher than ours. So if you were to, you know, open up your lavender oil and just start rubbing it all over your dog, well, they might not like that smell and it might be too intense for them and they could get very upset with you. So we always recommend that, you know, before introducing an oil to a pet, simply open up the cap of it and let your pet approach you. If they're curious about it, if they, if they like that smell, they will come up and they will start sniffing it. They may even start licking it. And I always say pets are very intelligent. They know if something's good for them or not. And every pet is different. Like I have a pet owner friend who has two dogs and one of her dogs loves frankincense. And she, you know, he wants her to rub it on her, uh, his fur all the time. And the other one like won't touch it. And so um, it's kind of interesting to, to look at the pet world for sure. But there's a lot of uh, oil users I know that also love to use it with horses. There's this uh, one blend we call peace and calming. And for a horse that's in training or you're trying to tame the horse a little, just rubbing some of that peace and calming around their mane, letting them sniff it and lick it is it has had such tremendous results in helping pets feel more comfortable around their owners, you know, dogs that have anxiety disorders, you can leave a diffuser going with some calming oils while you're out of the house and it can really make such a difference. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. One time oh, let I me mention, to, uh, okay. oh, sorry, go ahead. I wanted to, I wanted to mention real quick that cats are the only animals uh, that you really do need to be more cautious with when it comes to essential oils because of the way that they're livers process the essential oils. It's a little bit different than ours. So um, oils like cinnamon, clove, thyme, cassia, oregano are very high in phenols, which is a certain uh, chemical constituent. And so if you overuse those oils, they can build up in the cat system over time if overused and, and have some damaging effects. So definitely want to do a little extra research when it comes to cats and make sure you're using a very high quality oil around cats as well. That being said, I know thousands of cat owners who have been using oils with their cats for years and their cats are very healthy and happy. Well, if if an owner uses oils in themselves, how do the cats and dogs react differently to them? Do they? 
do they stay away from them? Do they lick them? What, what happens? Yeah, I would, I would think that if, a, if an owner is putting a lot of oils on topically and the animal disliked that scent, then they'll, they'll probably exit the room and not really want to be around you till that scent kind of wears down. Uh, I always say when using oils with pets, give, give your pet freedom of movement. Don't trap them in a room with essential oils and not allow them to leave. Because again, I think animals are intelligent enough to know, hey, I don't like that smell or this doesn't feel good to me. So I'm just gonna, you know, skedaddle out of here. But, um, you know, and then the opposite is true. If, if your pet really loves an essential oil and you've got some on your hands or, you know, on your chest or whatever, I could see them like coming out wanting to snuggle a little more with you for sure. Yeah, I tried to, um, you know, I was eating sushi one time and I tried to show the wasabi to my dogs and they didn't like it they like they literally like curled their lips back yeah put it, in. it was kind of funny you know they i knew they didn't like it but it was it was funny what they did they again they didn't move their heads back but their lips curled back to like get away from the smell yeah it's interesting yeah and i think if you're if you know how to read your animal then you know follow their lead and, and everything's good so what um what things do people tend to commonly use essential oils for that is most successful to for them? Like what kind of ailments or problems are common? Yeah, well, I'd say lavender by far is the most well-known essential oil. Um, you know, everyone kind of goes to lavender for all things relaxation and sleep, but it's also great for soothing any sort of skin condition. Like I mentioned earlier, if I burn myself on a frying pan or something, I'll just put um, straight lavender on it. If you are using lavender on a burn, Make sure that you're not mixing that with the carrier oil because carrier oils can kind of trap in that heat. So you just want to take straight up lavender oil, um, put it on that burn, and you'll notice that it will heal at least 30% faster and it'll also soothe that, that pain as well. Uh, we kind of call lavender the Swiss army knife of oils. So if you're not really sure what oil to use for something, go revert to lavender. Um, I used it in my allergy protocols. I would drink it in my water or take it in a capsule. Um, you can also use lavender in like an Epsom salt bath. So you can mix it with some Epsom salts, jump in the bathtub. It's going to soothe your skin. It's going to boost your immune system. It's going to promote a sense of calm. It's going to be great. And then I'd say le uh, lemon's probably my second go-to oil because it's so diverse. You can use it for so many things. Like I use it all the time for household cleaning. I'll mix it in with like a DIY household cleaner or a window cleaner. Um, you can even make your own dishwasher detergent with lemon oil and it'll just make everything sparkly clean. And if you ever have any of those like gooey residues that are stuck on, you know, you take off those awful stickers from something and it leaves behind this like nasty goo, then just put some la uh, lemon oil on a cotton ball and it'll rub away in no time flat. Um, you can also drink it as like a lemonade. You can mix it with honey for a sore throat. Gosh, there's just so many uses. And I'd say peppermint you know. is like my number three, if you're, you know, wanting to start out with some simple oils, peppermint is great for uh, motion sickness, headaches, improve focus, improve energy, drying out sinuses, um, things like that. I used it a lot in pregnancy. I would get like really sick in pregnancy. So I'd always have peppermint around me and I'd either just smell it or I'd put a drop on my tongue and it would help me feel so much better. Yeah. How much would the peppermint affect you? percentage wise in terms of making you feel better? I'd say like 50% improvement on 
on pretty much anything that I was struggling with nausea. Like I remember I live in the mountains. Yeah. It's really effective. You know, I live in the mountains and we have very curvy roads. And so when I was pregnant, I would just get so car sick. And so if I would preventatively think to put the peppermint under my tongue before a car ride, you know, at least 50% or more improvement. And then, you know, if it was like, I kind of forgot and, oh gosh, now I'm super nauseous, you know, I'd put it on and it would, it would help me uh, get through that experience for sure. What about cleaning your house? Uh, are there any oils that you can put in with in, just in water or in other cleaners that work better than conventional cleaners? Yeah. As I mentioned, lemon is probably one of my favorites for that. It just gives everything a shine and, and works as a very powerful cleaning agent. In fact, the chemical constituent limonene is derived from the lemon rind as well and um, is what most chemical cleaner companies use to make their products. Um, But I also really like to use um, rosemary essential oil for a DIY cleaner um, or just to add it into my cleaners to increase the effectiveness. Most essential oils are very um, high in their antibacterial and antiviral properties. So they're very effective at killing nasty germs and things like that. I usually just mix up like part apple cider vinegar, part hydrogen peroxide, part water, and then throw in whatever essential oils I'm kind of feeling like that day. Rosemary, lemon, sometimes lavender, eucalyptus is wonderful as well. You can't really go wrong and, you know, let your, let your nose guide you, whatever you feel like smells really good. They're all going to have really powerful cleaning components to them. Um, what's, um, what, what did you do to further your knowledge beyond the basics of essential oils? Like if someone starts using them and they feel better, and they want to go deeper into it, you know, is that covered in your book or like, what do you recommend they do to get, you know, more of an idea on what to do and how to make their own oils or mix them, et cetera? Yeah. Well, just to clarify, I have not written a book about essential oils specifically. I did write a book about podcasting, but my, my podcast itself, the essential oil revolution is, is really meant to be a guide for people who are just getting started. You know, if you start back at episode number one, there's like a a intro to essential oils that'll help you get started. I also have a free essential oil course. That's like a video course that people can take. um, And that's freeoilcourse.com. And that also comes with a free ebook that covers uh, recipes, the top five oils to get started with, the safety. I've got cheat sheets in there for safety protocols and whatnot. And I mean, pretty much that is will cover everything you need to know to at least get started. And, and that's the thing I love about oils is once you know the basics, you can just go, you can dive in, you can experiment, you can have fun. You're not going to like damage anything, I promise, so long as you're using com- some common sense and following the little bit of safety protocols that I've pretty much already covered during this interview. But then at the same time, if you want to dive in further and you want to use them in more of like a clinical setting or really deep, you know, deep dive into essential oils for your specific situation or health journey, then there's some great reference guides out there. I really like to buy literature from um, discoverlsp.com, life science publisher. They have lots of um, reference guides where you can look up you know, essential oils for headaches or psoriasis or acne, and you just look up your symptom and it'll give suggestions for essential oils to use. Um, but the kind of one of the reasons I started my podcast is because I had so many questions and I was hearing all these stories and I was like, gosh, there's so much to learn. 
I'm sure if I have questions, other people do as well. And so it was really my excuse to, you know, call up a famous aromatherapist or essential oil experts and say, you know, hey, can I interview on my podcast? I'd love to learn more about essential oils for weight loss or the frequencies of essential oils or essential oils for boosting your mood. And, and it really became this huge public free resource for anyone to use if they want to learn more about essential oils. Yeah, no, that's really, really cool. What uh, unanswered questions do you have about them? Even though you've done so many podcasts about them, like what what's the frontier of essential oils and who's working on it? What like what are some of the questions that are still big that are out there about it? Yeah, I, I'd say the research arena is is growing rapidly, but still has a lot, a long way to go. So I'm really excited to hear more about the research that's being conducted currently now about um, essential oils and cancer cells. There's been some research done around um, sacred frankincense and cancer cells, but it's all been, you know, in vitro. There haven't been any human clinical studies or anything like that. And so I'm really interested to see where that research leads to, as well as the research around essential oils and brain disorders like dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that, because there's, I, and I don't remember offhand who the researchers are conducting this right now, but there, there, there are some really prestigious um, scientists looking specifically at different essential oils to help with those brain disorders. Cause like, as I said earlier, it's one of the very unique things about essential oils is, is how molecularly small they are and their ability to go into the brain past the blood brain barrier where very few substances can do that. So um, they're seeing a lot of potentially great results in, in that kind of thing. I had my friend Kelly Oster was on my podcast a while back and she shared her experience with her stepfather who struggles with dementia. And she was able to make a blend of Melissa and rosemary essential oil that they would rub down his neck. So right like on the back of your neck is where it's going to really get into that nervous system really quickly. And they were able to keep him home so much longer than most people do. Most dementia patients have to go into full-time care in a facility, um, you know, within a certain amount of time. And they were really able to extend the amount of time that he was able to stay home. And she attributed that largely to the Melissa and the rosemary oil that they would use to help calm his, um, calm his system, calm his emotions and things like that. So I'm really excited to see where those uh, research frontiers keep heading as, as well as other areas where we're looking at essential oils being used more in those clinical situations. Yeah. Why do they call them essential instead of like nice to have? I know, right? <laughs> it's a good question. Well, they're essential to the plant. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, they're an essential part of the plant. Yeah. Other than that though, I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that, that question, how they got that name. They were, they're sort of given, scientific validity in France was sort of the birth of the, of the modern aromatherapy movement in like the 1920s. Uh, Robert Tisserand was the scientist that sort of uh, led that frontier. So I wonder if it's somehow related to the French language. In the plants themselves that the oils come from, does that correlate with what the plant oils do for people or animals? Or is it just in the plant though of a totally different function? Yeah, that's a good question. Now, I think there's definitely a lot of overlap there. You know, we can look at the citrus oils, for example, the essential oil is meant to 
capture the sun um, and like exaggerate the sun's rays to grow that plant further. And so that, you know, when we translate that into using citrus oils in humans, you know, that's why we can't just put them on our skin and go out in the sun. But, you know, as far as other things like essential oils can prevent disease in plants, and they definitely have some overlap in their antibacterial, antimicrobial type properties in humans as well. Hmm, Okay. Well, very good. Um, I also want to just bring up at the end, since you uh, did a book on podcasting, you know, I'd like to get people interested in everything you do. Uh, What's that about? Let's talk about it for a minute. And, uh, you know, why does it help people? Sure. Well, you know, when I started my podcast, that was five years ago, I was a mom of two babies at the time and really struggling. You know, our family was living well below the poverty line. And my husband worked full time in construction, not making a lot of money. And I really wanted to find a way to contribute to my family, but I needed to be able to do that while staying home with my kids. You know, I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have really any career to speak of. And so the option of putting my kids in childcare, you know, the cost of that really would have, you know, washed out anything I would have made from the job opportunities in front of me. And so when I started, you know, working and starting my essential oil business, you know, I I looked into, okay, well, how else can I grow? What can I do while staying at home? I've always been an avid podcast fan. And so then I got that idea to start the essential oil revolution podcast. And, you know, within a year I was earning an income and within three years, I was earning more than my husband was making. And now five years later, he's actually retired. He doesn't work construction anymore. And, you know, we just live off of everything that I've been able to bring in from my podcast and the opportunities that it's given me. So from a financial standpoint, I'm just, I'm very passionate about helping young people, people who have a mission, who have a story to tell and who need to be able to start a podcast that actually is profitable profitable for them. But if they were in my shoes, you know, I had a very small budget to start out with. So that's where my book pineapple podcasting came into play. I wanted to write a book that people could buy that was cheap, that taught them everything they need to know to start a podcast on a shoestring budget that um, also could turn into a career for them or bring in income for them. So I launched that book and that's been fabulous. And actually this April, um, I'm launching an online course around that as well. So people can really deep dive into that world. And um, it just, it brings me so much joy. I, I love the world of podcasting. I love the thought of helping people craft their ideas and put them out into the world because that's what podcasting podcasting can allow for people. It's a very low cost medium to get into that packs a huge amount of power. Like, you know, just think that pretty much anyone with a microphone and a computer can craft their own show. They can be the producer of their own show or network and then broadcast that out to the entire world. It's just pretty incredible to me. And I get very passionate about it. Well, that's really cool. That's really cool that you're doing all these things. Um, All right. So resources for people you know, what, what resources do you want them to have? Yeah. So definitely check out my podcast. It's the essential oil revolution. And um, if you want to take my free essential oil course, that's just at freeoilcourse.com. Um, that'll get you hooked up to my newsletter as well. And you'll get an email like about once a week when we have new episodes that come out. 
And if you're interested in learning more about podcasting, just go to pineapplepodcasting.com. So lots of places to to go. And if you're on Instagram, I'm there at Sam Lee Wright. It's L-E-E-W-R-I-G-H-T. That's great. Well, Sam, thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you letting me share with your audience and keep up the great work with what you're doing over there too. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.